Hello, and welcome to the reading room. This is Kate, or Mrs. Lemonade, on Twitter, and today I will be reading A Feet Equal by Ishka Bibble Bafflegab, Chapter 6, Strange and Poignant. This fic is rated for mature audiences. Please see the AO3 link in the description for additional tags. Kotsky's on his back, weighted down again by Earth's normal force. For several unnerving seconds, the only sound he can hear is a high, piercing frequency. Through swimming vision and the acute, relentless ache of his motherfucking everything, he casts his gaze into the darkness, trying to see if anyone's coming after them, wondering if it's possible anyone up there, namely the wayward brat with top-notch taste in heroes, survived the blast he noped the hell out of there to escape. As though from far away... Oh, reaches him as a dull echo. Just as dully, through a deep fog of unreality, he becomes aware of Uraraka, hands pawing at his damn face, hair poured around him like a dark, liquid curtain, eyes wet with unshed tears and big enough to swallow planets, and... Is she on his fucking lap? Suddenly it's years ago, and she's falling out of the sky and into his arms, and she's weightless and breathing hard, and he's fending off the latest crop of variations augmented enforcers, and his arm is fucked, and she's got her tongue in his mouth. Bakugo! Finally breaks through, and her voice is tinny and too low. Please, speak to me, she pleads, choking off a sob. He violently smothers the impossible still vivid sensation of that fucking catastrophe of a kiss from their first tag team victory, rationalizing the phantasm as the fault of all that head trauma he's recently suffered. Ultimately, get the hell off of me, is all he can settle on biting out, closing his eyes to the sight of Uraraka's damn moon face filling his whole fucking horizon, because shit is this ever not the fucking time. Bakugo takes the brunt of the surprise blast he miraculously anticipates. He's got her wrapped up, and the both of them crater in through the floor, just as the person-shaped mass of water spontaneously erupts with a concussive bang that hurts her ears even smushed as they are between the palm of an always sweaty hand and the hard blains of Bakugo's chest. It won't be till long after this mess is over and done with that she understands how or why this disastrous explosion happens, but the notion Bakugo might be at fault for it never even occurs to her. No way he'd jeopardize so many lives, his and hers included, unless the situation was dire enough to warrant desperate measures. And it wasn't, far as she could tell, after she bubbled the last member of this ragtag crew, which she'd been in the middle of doing when Bakugo slammed into her. That'd be that, and they'd be done. They'd round everyone up and hand them off to the police, help Riot and Jack finish clearing the building, and then meet up with Deku's team to either debrief or, if necessary, assist with the aftermath of the evacuation order. But the riskiest bits would be over. Instead, they're smashing through floor after floor, pushed to a dangerous velocity by the very explosion Baka goes running from, till her booster rockets finally sense she's on a runaway plummet and activate to reassert her equilibrium. Unfortunately, they're falling so hard and so fast that the sudden propulsion doesn't right them, 
so much as send them corkscrewing wild across the new floor they're on, which only ends when they collide, Bakugo first, into a water cooler. Dizzy from the hyperspeed insanity of the last few seconds, Achako drops her technique and tries to blink away the world's sick, tilty twirl as she scrambles up the length of the body beneath her, which has just gone worryingly slack. His arms, till now like iron bands around her, wilt and fall away, and his head lolls insensibly. Bakugo, she tries, tentative, swallowing back panic-thick bile when he fails to respond. If he's out more in a few seconds, there's a good chance something's seriously wrong. So she's got to get him conscious, pronto. Come on, wake up. He doesn't flinch. Refusing to cry, Achako takes a deep, shaky breath and starts feeling around his head and neck for any obvious external injuries. All that jumps out at her right away is the small trickle of blood running out of his left ear, a sight that makes her feel guilty in a fuzzy kind of way, since she'd likely have a busted drum or two of her own if he hadn't had the presence of mind or inclination to protect her. Bakugo, she cries, horror starting to seep in. Please speak to me. Finally, his long lashes flutter open, and she can't help the high, hysterical sound she makes. Get the hell off of me, he snaps, eyes screwing shut. Immediately frantic, Thinking he slipped back under, Achako bows over him, lowers trembling fingers to his cheeks, and pinches the bejesus out of him. Desperately, stay with me, she starts, and just as abruptly stops, because, whoops, turns out he wasn't trying to pass out on her after all, and he looks pissed about the manhandling. Except with his cheeks pulled out like they are, as Glaren's more endearingly silly than she's used to. A manic giggle rolls out of her, and her heart aches with relief, because if he's lucid enough to be irritated by harmless overtures of genuine concern, she figures he's probably gonna be okay. Oi, Bakugo menaces through exposed teeth, since his lips are comically drawn back with his cheeks, glare and murder, till Achako remembers she's the reason his face looks this way and lets him go, suddenly sheepish. Then, she asks his least favorite question. Are you... okay? It comes out stilted, because now she's not in tunnel vision freakout mode anymore, and has the chance to really check him out. She sees he actually looks pretty rough. You look awful. Indignant. Fuck you, I look cut-ass goddamn rugged. Another snigger spazzes out of her, because maybe she's more rattled by this whole affair than she cares to admit. As patronizingly as possible. Of course you do. Achako punctuates this playful condescension with a couple light taps against his pinch-rosy cheeks. That's all it's meant to be, too. A fleeting, teasing, token touch. But her gaze catches again on the thin spill of blood forking out of his ear. The paltry trickle belying the undoubtedly terrible pain he's in on her behalf, and before she knows it, she is obliging the raw, clawing impulse to slide her hand oh so gently along the curve of his jaw and sink her fingers, scepter pinky, into the wet, 
bristly plush at his nape. With a strutted, steady thumb, she carefully wipes away the blood at the lower margin of his ear. Thank you for protecting me, she says, with utmost sincerity. After, certain she's trying his patience with all her heartfelt gratitude and unsolicited handling, she spares him a watery smile and makes to get the hell off, as previously commanded. By him which is why it's so startling that the instant she tries to pull back, Bakugo abruptly reacts to stop her. He catches her by the forearm, grip assertive without being forceful, unmistakably insistent she stay put, but letting her know she's got the out if she wants it. She doesn't take it. Otako stares down at him in rapt silence, not daring to guess what he'll do next but unable to quash the budding, wretched, ridiculous hope that maybe, just maybe, Kyoka's not chasing ghosts. And then, warm pressure at her hip, the damp, heavy slide of fabric shifting, the bunch and flex of core muscles tightening, and the delirious, berserker lurch of her heart, madly pounding, as Bakugo raises himself into a seated position with predator poise and tectonic consequence. Achako lets him guide her up and scoot her back onto her knees, very much in his lap, and he's still got her by the arm and the hip, and he's so close they're breathing the same air, and he looks so intense. Angry, definitely, but also some combination of confrontational and expectant and determined, possibly? Before she loses her nerve, she lays her free hand over the ridge of his shoulder and feels a telling, convulsive twitch of the fingers at her hip. And there is the suspended beat of a moment between them, strange and poignant, that leaves her feeling dizzy all over again and tingly and terrified that he's concussed, or looking for any sign her organs were liquefied in the shockwave of that banana's explosion, or that she's the one who actually passed out, and this is just some crazy fever dream, because there's no way in hell Bakugo's actually leaning up. All right, you two, enough with the suspense already. Okay up there? Kirishima's voice has a cold water shower effect and sends her flying to her feet in guilty shock. This time, Bakugo doesn't try to stop her. Jack said you were both at least alive, and I should give you a minute, so I waited one whole minute. Forty-five seconds tops, Kyoka quips. But you guys still haven't checked in, and that explosion was nuts, so can we confirm no one's, like, seriously injured already? We're fine, shitlips, Bakugo rumbles. At the same time, Achako says, We're okay, I promise. Hiroshima breathes an audible sigh of relief. What about y'all? And, oh goodness, please tell me there wasn't anyone else up here? Everyone's fine, don't worry. Most of the personnel on the upper floors hit the elevator or stairwell as soon as the sirens started up and came down on their own. We've mostly been rounding up the stragglers and malware, and everybody's here in the lobby now. We were about to lead the way to safety when we felt the explosion, Kyoka explains easily and concisely answering all of Uchako's questions before she has the chance to ask him. What happened up there? 
Achako looks to Bakugo to supply the explanation, because the truth is she doesn't know herself. He meets her gaze head-on, eyes narrowed. Nuclear motherfucking fission happened, earlobes. And we can talk about how that happened after I get my hands on that pink-headed fucking devil woman and have a day of damn reckoning about her shoddy fucking tech. You gonna take on Hatsume? Please, can I come watch? Hiroshima ribs, knowing full well he's poking the bear. Incredibly, Bakugo doesn't rise to the bait. Ignores his best friend completely, as a matter of fact. Or maybe Bakugo doesn't fully hear him? Long story short, I canary in a coal mine us the fuck out of there, and now I can't hear Dick. Do you really miss hearing Dick's, though? Kyoka heckles. Bakugo definitely hears that one, and fumes in mortification, palms cracking off like sparklers. Your days are fucking numbered, wiretap. Glad you're still in one piece, Sparky. Kirishima again. Yeah, man, if all you've got to show for that insane blast is a busted ear, I'd say major kudos are in order. Bakugo tuts dismissively, while Achako resists the compulsion to tell their teammates he's more banged up than he's letting on. If he wanted him to know, she reminds herself, he'd say something. And anyway, she knows, and she's keeping close watch. Jack, she starts, trying to fix them all back on the mission. It's probably a long shot, but on the off chance there are any survivors, could I get you to listen in for any signs of life above us? Snap into purpose. You've got it, Ravity. Hang tight. The line briefly closes while Kyoka puts her expertly honed, incredibly sensitive quirk to work. Mindful of the partial hearing loss he's just copped to, Achako waves at Bakugo to catch his eye instead of calling out to him. I'll head up to check things out after Kyoka-chan gives us a read on what to expect. You stay here and... Not in your fucking life, sweetness, he interrupts, trotting out a nickname he seldom ever uses and staring her down in blatant challenge. Being the object of Bakugo's undivided attention always triggers her fluster reflex, but now, on the heels of that too fresh almost, the effect's about a zillion times worse, and has, has the air always had a pulse? Hot and very bothered, she breaks his gaze, clear in her throat. Fine, but I'm taking point. His answering grins a wicked promise that hits her like a hot jab to the gut. Aravity, Kyoka says without warning, startling her out of her wits. I'm getting one heartbeat, but it's crazy weak and fading fast. Achako swiftly changes gears, an easy enough thing to do when there's life at stake, and beelines for the hole in this floor's ceiling, Bakugo in lockstep behind her. We're on it, Jack. Thank, she begins, but Kyoka cuts across her. Hold that thought. Something's wrong. Whatever Kyoka says after that is muted by a sinister, thunderous crack that splits the sky and echoes into the night. The accompanying seismic shiver of the entire building and the apocalyptic cacophony of glass shattering and floor beams screaming and concrete rupturing that follows can only mean one thing. Fissure. Fissure's the survivor, with the weak and fading heartbeat, and he's doing what she's positive he meant to do all along. He's raising the registry. Motherfucker! 
Bakugo bellows undoubtedly coming to the same conclusion. The frightful cracking continues, and the nightmare intensifies as a cascade of structural failures ensues, and the building begins to moan and sway. At this point, collapse is unavoidable and imminent. In a hurry to either get them both out of here, or more likely to go after Fissure Freak and get all three of them out of there, Bakugo fastens her to his side and prepares for blast-off. But where she'd usually take her cue and peel away their gravity for max speed, instead she stares numbly into her open hands, petrified at what she knows she has to do. Or at least, try to do. Maybe because she grew up shadowing her parents at construction sites, determined to make herself useful ASAP, it's not hard to run a few quick numbers. If there are 60-something stories in this building, 40-plus of those directly above them, and if the registry itself weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25,000 tons, then even if she factors in a generous margin for error, and even if she only has to worry about what'll be coming down on top of them and not what's under her feet, she's still looking at between 10 to 15,000 tons of steel and concrete and office equipment, which is impossibly beyond her weight limit. Filled with cold dread, Achako goes into a tailspin, certain this is the end, that they're either going to die or manage to escape by the skin of their teeth and watch, helpless, as the registry crumbles and crushes Kirishima and Kyoka and Malware and who knows how many city blocks is worth of people then kicks up a toxic debris cloud several kilometers wide in every direction, killing countless more. In the grips of mortal terror, these are the only outcomes she can envision. Until Bakugo reaches over and flicks her right between the eyes. Hard. Ow! Any goddamn day now, Uraraka, Bakugo yells over the din. He's still waiting on her to float them, so he knows she's ready so they can go. There's not a shred of fear in the sharp wedge of a grin he's wearing, just impatience and implacable certainty. Because to him, winning's not an option. It's an inevitability. And if she's not going to be outpaced and left behind, if she wants to truly feel like his necessary complement and equal, the same's got to be true for her. Over the piercing of folding metal, Bucklin under extraordinary strain. I know what I have to do. After she says it, she feels lighter, like she's already floating. Resolve crystallizing, she twists up in his hold and kisses his cheek, easy as breathing, and she steps back, trusting he'll let her go. He does, staring down at her in open shock. Without the luxury of enough time to be embarrassed, she smiles softly, turns her eyes to the ceiling, and activates her quirk. Wish me luck, Achako calls, breathing deep. I can do this. Uraraka says she knows what she has to do with buoyant self-assurance, and Kotsky believes her. But before he can work out what she might have up her sleeve, she plants one on him in an ambush for the fucking ages and short-circuits the part of his brain responsible for critical thinking. So when she slaps her boots on and rockets for the ceiling, at first he's confused. Then, 
as comprehension slowly dawns, his ability to parse reality switches fully the fuck off, because there is no way in hell Uraraka actually means to float a motherfucking skyscraper. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this reading, please use the AO3 link in the description to give the author a well-deserved kudos and comment. Also, don't hesitate to message us on Twitter with your requests for fix to be read.